I don't know, Alistair, I heard that this generative AI is going to eliminate chief revenue and strategy officers as its first victim. So <laughs> I am looking forward to an early retirement. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to this week's Sales Strategy and Enablement Podcast. I'm Alistair Wilcock, joined by my co-host, Howard Brown, the prolific and famous revenue science guru. Oh, please. We are thrilled to have with us today Tom Davenport. Tom Davenport is distinguished professor at Babson College, MIT, also senior advisor at Deloitte Analytics AI Practice, Tom, you've had, I think by last count, I saw 23 books you published, your latest book, All In on AI. You've had others dating all the way back to the world of analytics and Jim Goodnight when it was starting. It is just fantastic to have somebody that's been in the trenches of going from analytics to ML to AI and now generative AI over the span of, uh, well, I won't say how long, but long enough to be a world expert on all of this, Tom. So great to have you with us. Thanks. I'm a little younger than Jim Goodnight, and my bank balance is a little smaller as well. Uh, well, the, the bank balance is immaterial. You got more books. You got a lot more books than Jim. So it's okay. Look, Howard and, and Tom, I want to start with a news item that came up recently. Uh, that was that the U.S. Congress has now added strict limits on the use of AI, including the newer generative technologies like ChatGPT where people are only allowed, staff are only allowed to use paid versions for the plus service, they're putting tighter controls, they're limiting it to research and evaluations. Now, that's Congress, but my question to Howard and, and Tom is, should we be restricting AI? Is that open letter on slow down to go faster that a bunch of people sign, is that really the right approach? Well, with the seem that if any organization would be able to get sort of a private instance of chat GPT so that they could ask it whatever questions they want to without fear of it escaping to the outside world, the U.S. Congress would seem to be one of those. So I think they could solve the problem that way. Um, and then, you know, they wouldn't have to pay $20 a month per employee. I don't know how many employees there there are if you include all the staffers and so on, but I'm guessing the numbers add up pretty quickly. But to your broader question, I think we do need more regulation related to AI. And um, I think it's good that Congress is exploring it because in general, I think they don't have a clue what this stuff is about. But I don't think it's either feasible or maybe even a good idea to stop development of AI. It's just not going to happen in the U.S. It's certainly not going to happen in China, which is our biggest rival in the AI field. So that, that would put us at a big disadvantage. Yeah, two points of uh, differentiation there. One, you have people who are trying to regulate it. At the same time, these are people that don't have a clue. So you take those two statements together, it, it doesn't really give you a, a, a bright view on where that's all going to go. I think that there are certainly a lot of things that you know we need to think about as you know leaders in the AI space and in in the generative AI world. The question is how do we quickly educate and inform those who are going to be establishing and creating legislation and laws? How, how do we get them up to speed as quickly as possible? Because there are things like 
national security that we need to worry about? How how do we educate? How do we make sure that we use AI for good? Because in a way, it's almost like cybersecurity, right? It's a cat and mouse game. You're always going to have people who are bad actors. Hopefully, you have a lot of people who are good actors. How do you deal with this stuff? No, I agree. I think a crash course is certainly necessary, but I'm not terribly optimistic because we don't have any data privacy um, legislation in the United States, and we've needed that for quite a while. Um, Europe is about a decade or so ahead of us in that regard. Europe will probably be a decade or so ahead on the on the AI regulation front as well. So I'm going to put my view out there and in, in a way, it's in, it's in a little bit of uh, disagreement with that, Tom. And it's interesting. I was recently catching up with my old colleagues at Gartner, and and they're about to issue a piece here around uh, the open AI letter regulations and things like that. And I agree here and concur. I don't agree with slowing down, nor does Gartner. And also, the regulation piece is often misunderstood. So, so, so let me double click on that second statement there. Yes, it is true, GDPR and what has happened in China or where you look at Canada's regulation environment or what India has been putting in place. Yes, they're, they're definitely ahead of America in some ways. But regulation is often put in place when the economic growth of a region isn't as high. So by applying a heavy governmental structure, I'm able to police the companies more. Therefore, I'm able to control my tax flows more which allows me to actually then provide citizen services. So in a, in a society where you're reliant upon more government-driven services, you want high regulation to control that environment. In America, that has classically been, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but classically being a little bit looser on that side because we've had higher GDP growth. We've had higher dollar amounts per person grow. You actually want looser regulatory environments. You want to allow individuals and corporations to drive the information and the success. And I'm not saying trickle-down economics is the answer. I am I'm not a believer in that. But I am a believer that in an environment like America, when competing against China, if we just try to play catch-up to Europe, we're going to slip another decade behind China. But if we open things up and actually accelerate more, we stand a chance of becoming number one again, where right now we're number two in the AI world relative to China. And so it's really this idea that I don't agree with the open AI pause letter. I think there is ineptitude in terms of the understanding of AI. I don't think Congress is going to catch up. So why don't we now embrace and ask not yes or no, but how? How do we create an environment that allows prolific adoption of AI? Because AI is now in a place where we can reshape aspects of society, jobs, and everything else. And do we want to be the leaders or laggards on that front? Yeah, I think we want to be the leaders, although it's sort of interesting that if you ask all the heads of those AI companies, they all say, we need more regulation. <laughs> um, and you don't hear that often that heads of large corporations are saying, please regulate us, save us from ourselves. We can't do it on our own. So 
You know, I don't think we should stifle innovation in this space, but I do think that there are some regulations that could be put in place. And, you know, even the AI Act in Europe is oriented to AI that would be judged high risk for citizens. And so I think, you know, you don't use it for marketing to inhibit marketing activities or whatever. But if people can lose their jobs unfairly because of it, then that, to me, requires some regulation. I don't know. Howard, what do you think? Well, yeah, and Howard, aren't the big companies asking for regulation, though, because they're trying to catch up? Like, that's a great way to stall all the innovation in the market. If I'm a big company with market share like Apple, yeah, of course I wanted to slow down until I'm ready to release what I want to release. Mm. So I tend to agree with you both. On the one hand, look, there has to be some regulation. We have to figure out how to regulate some of this. The question is, what do we need to regulate? Because broad regulations that aren't thoughtful tend to just create more chaos, more confusion. I, I think it's an interesting strategy on the part of some of the large conglomerates to call for regulation call for research because what you're at really seeing them put out there is there needs to be more research, right? And what research does, it actually slows regulation down. So they're saying we need to be regulated, but we need more research. There's a bunch of research that already exists out there, but they don't want the regulations to be based on the past research. They want new research, which will allow them to uh, continue the momentum for the next couple of years that they already have. And then essentially the regulation will impact the smaller guys or the challengers to the process. So I think it's interesting. Some, uh, some of the folks who are calling for regulation, I agree with Tom, it's needed. We need to figure out where to apply regulation to make certain we take care of the health of our workers, the health of our government, the health of our weapon systems. We need to figure out where to apply regulation. You know, but but the idea of just calling for general regulation, don't think it's a good idea. The idea of calling for, you know, uh, Congress to do research over the next two years, two years is too long, right? So w we need to figure some things out and, you know, how to give that crash course to a bunch of people who don't even understand what social media is, deeply concerned. Right. Sounds like Howard's getting his political campaign ready to roll. <laughs> don't know about all of that, but I do think that there is a call for action. I think those of us who who are involved in the creation, the, the adoption of AI and generative AI understand how incredibly powerful it is and how it can be honed for good to use AI to augment human intelligence, to provide uh, better experiences, to help workers uh, get rid of the mundane tasks that they're doing to offer a better worker experience and then ultimately provide a better customer experience or patient experience, I think is critical. I, I think it goes at every level of our society. I mean, I think the educational systems that banned the use of ChatGPT, for example, early on were very short-sighted. On the other hand, if if you're going to allow it, which I think they should, it's a, a tool for productivity and effectiveness in you know, living a, a modern life, you need to tell them, okay, I need to see what your thought process was. You have to show your work in the same way we used to say it for 
long division, show the prompts you use, show the outcome of the system, show how you edited it. I mean, those are going to be skills that will be extremely valuable in the future. Banning it is is not the answer, but allowing total free reign isn't the answer either, I don't think. Yeah, it's it's those schools that also want to ban books and the use of calculators too. So, you know, what can, what can you say? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to move us on here because John Culkin had a great statement and he said, we shape our tools and thereafter our tools shape us. And when we think through most inventions through humanity, we've come up with a great thing, but then we let it run. And that's where we made the greatest progress. I don't know, Alistair. I heard that this generative AI is going to eliminate chief revenue and strategy officers as its first victim. So <laughs> I am looking forward to an early retirement. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I hear you. Okay, look, the other thing I want to dive into here and up on the regulations is in our last episode, Tom, we kind of framed out the idea AI is really shifting from you know trainable and transparent to now explainable, meaning you know, before when you think of the world of machine learning, machine learning was a process we applied to a model and we asked, you know, why did something happen? Why does the system fail? If it does, do this, right? Can I trust something, et cetera? We've now kind of moved to this where we have that same step, but we've added explainability to this. We've added teaching interfaces to this. We can now ask why? And I think the idea that generative and AI is now shifting to the, hey, we can ask why something is happening, that has huge commercial ramifications, teaching ramifications to it. What are you seeing in this, this notion of shifting to why? Well, unfortunately, I don't think we're quite there yet with generative AI. You know, we don't know exactly how big GPT-4 is, but GPT-3 had... 175 billion parameters trained on over 5 billion pieces of text. So that makes it a little hard to figure out exactly why it says what it says. And my experience with it is it can't tell you very well. And if you ask it for sources, it often makes up sources. It treats a source as any other bit of text. It just does, you know, the next most likely word to supply the poor lawyer who gave a brief um, with six entirely made up cases uh, now knows this pretty well. I do think we were getting there with traditional machine learning where we could say, you know, what were the features that were most influential in this analysis? And even for a particular case where we decide, is this person going to get diabetes or not? We can say, what are the factors in their health history that made you think they were or were not going to get diabetes? But those were relatively simple models compared to the ones that we're using now. I think, you know, we may get to where we can say, why did GPT-12 say what it, what it did? But it's going to be a while. And in the meantime, I think we have to realize some machine learning can give us the reason why it says what it does, but a lot of it can't yet and, and won't for a while. You know, Tom, you make, a, you make an interesting point, I think an important one, because I think right now you talk to a bunch of CEOs, you know, revenue leaders, you talk to a bunch of experts, and they're all talking about generative AI. But what most organizations 
don't realize today is that if you take a rules-based approach and a learning model and you combine that, the power of those two things today can completely change both process, outcomes, and there are incredible studies and there are incredible applications out there that are doing just that. I think we're all so excited about generative that we want it to solve every problem that we have, as opposed to there are these incredible you know, learning models. There's these incredible rule sets that we can use that will be more effective in the short term to deliver the results that most organizations need to fuel their top line, their bottom line, and their customer experiences. Just some thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I very much agree with you. I mean, I, I, I'm already seeing a little bit of backlash to generative AI emerging from some quarters, and I'm not in that rat camp. I think it's an amazing technology and it will power a huge amount of innovation over the you know next uh, several decades, I suspect. But I do think, uh, you know, I, I wrote a little piece about this in Forbes and I found a great Dolly 2 illustration of it. Actually, it said, uh, don't lose the AI forest for the generative AI tree. And it created a picture of a tree in a forest and the tree was all garishly painted and, and really stood out as generative AI does these days. Because I'd been to working with a company that was in the telecom equipment business and this was the board and the senior executives. They only wanted to talk about generative AI but the vast bulk of the kind of data that they deal with is not content. I mean, they could use it to create a contract here and there or maybe some marketing documents, but most of their data comes from the telemetry on the systems that they produce and uh, identifying which customers they should go after. And they didn't seem interested in anything but, but the generative stuff. So I think we need to realize that it's one of, several important capabilities that AI has, and we need to figure out, you know, which particular technology is suited to which use case. And I think that's spot on. I, again, for a revenue leader, for a CEO, for a CIO, don't just throw this technology at every problem you have. You, it's not like everything's a nail and you got a hammer. You got to figure out what fits. You know, today and you hear about Everybody wants to go generative because it's changing the multiples of all businesses. It's hype. It, a, a lot of this is hype. And the problem is whenever you put out a lot of hype, there's a backlash. And to your point, this is incredible technology that's going to revolutionize a lot of what we do, the, the economic impact that Alistair mentioned. But if we overhype it and we don't use it for what it's good at, which right now is you know, it, it's great at asking questions and getting fairly reliable answers, but you can't get into the why. You're not going to use generative or AI to search a SQL database, right? It, it's just that's not the proper use of it. So figuring out what technologies you're going to use for what to solve your business problems has to stay top of mind for every executive. Don't just throw generative out at everything because you're going to be disappointed. And it could, I mean, if we do that too much, it could lead to, I, I don't think we're going to have another AI winter anytime soon, but it could put us into 
what did you guys call it at Gartner? The trough of disillusionment on on this particular technology, and maybe it might have a you know negative halo effect for all AI, which would be very unfortunate. Kind of like crypto and and yeah. uh, and blockchain, right? Potentially. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, as always, I think the whole evolution of this space is amazing, and yeah, you know, I really am you know excited about what it's going to do in terms of creating these you know more masterful AI systems and tools, like where we have specialists that really help. I think to Howard's point and your point, the data to enrich to create specialist functions. Is, is where it's going to go happen. But it's about collecting the intelligence. And you're in the, you know, with Babson College and AIT, like you're, you're in the world of tremendous intellects and experience of research in any given time. So I want to cite one of the most favorite people that I have, and I know as Howard is as well. In a future state, if you can ask Albert Einstein anything, what do you ask him? Because we're now headed to a world where you're going to be able to re-ask Albert Einstein questions because we can collect all that intelligence that he had. So yeah, we take all of his writings and pronouncements and put them into a generative system. And and what prompt would I give him? Yeah. Um, I, I would say, Albert, why did you think that God doesn't play dice with the universe? Because it sometimes feels <laughs> to me like he does. <laughs> I love it. That is fantastic. That will be surging on a prompt on the core imminently, I'm sure. <laughs> now, as we shift, Tom, as you know, we wrap up each week. We love to do our final pieces, some fun trivia with you as well, and make you pick out what is real and what is not. And uh, yeah, we went, I think we had a good discussion today on some of the, you know, where the AI models are going, um, the why factor, where we're at in that, and the regulations. The spirit of regulations... I'm going to ask you three things. You got to pick out what the real one is. First one, the U.S. government has implemented a regulation requiring AI systems to pass a tickle test where they must be able to discern the difference between a ticklish human and a pickle. Number two, in an effort to regulate AI, the U.S. government has established a mandatory dance-off provision where AI systems must compete against each other in a synchronized dance routine to obtain certification. God, I hope that number three is a little bit more um, reality-based than the first two. Number three, as part of the new AI regulation, the U.S. government has mandated that all AI systems must have a built-in joke mode, ensuring that they can tell at least three dad jokes per hour to maintain a positive human-AI interaction. So we go ahead, tickle test, dance off, or dad jokes? Tom? Uh, I would really argue strongly for none of the above. Is that possible? <laughs> All right. Despite none of the above, one is true, and the tickle test is currently used by the U.S. government, originally from the Department of Defense, and now more broadly, for AI systems to evaluate exactly how they work and their credibility. Tickle test. I'll have to put that one into chat GPT and see what it can tell me about it. I've never heard of it. <laughs> it's a fantastic one. Thankfully, no dad jokes, and at least for my kids' standpoint, and thankfully, no dance-off, because as somebody who can barely clap to a beat, I would fail miserably. But uh, there you go, Tom. It has been a pleasure having you with us. You know, I'd love to give you an hour the final word and just parting advice to people and all of the leaders listening in here today. We can talk to you forever, but Tom, just final thought is yours. 
Uh, well, when I talk to people about what to do with AI, I generally say it's great if you can make a major commitment. That's what my recent research is about. Companies have really aggressively adopted. But even if you have to start small, think big about how it can change your business and your business model and your business processes and so on. Then you can put small steps into place to realize that, that overall vision. Great. Yeah. And I would say define your use case and the outcomes you're looking for and, you know, build a proof of concept. I would say to every organization, give your employees time to play with a chat GPT or other large language models so that they can start to get some literacy around generative AI and, and what it can do. Because I think the more you play with it, the more you touch it, the more you start to realize the power behind it. And I'm sure that employees will come up with incredibly creative and exciting opportunities. On that note, everybody, thanks so much for a spirited two episodes, Tom, joining us here. We hope to see you again in the future and keep us posted on your next piece of thought leadership coming out soon, I'm sure. But uh, for those that haven't, please go check out Tom's latest research and books, All In On AI as well. Fantastic read there. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Call in with your questions. Send them into Howard myself. We'll attempt to get to them in future episodes. Thanks again. Thanks, Tom. Great seeing you again. Thank you.